Google will automatically serve any local information. So if you have local words in your keywords in your header, then it will presume that it's local. And rightly so, if you've, if you've put, I'm an interior designer in Miami and if someone searches interior designer and they're in Miami, it would automatically, you get kudos for the fact that you've got Miami in your keywords and you're right. Hey there, Wingnuts. Thank you for joining us on the Wingnuts Social Podcast, your social media tightly fastened. Today, we're talking about SEO for your blogging for designers. Why is it important with Justin Eastall coming up? Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating digital influence into physical success. This is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the host of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell. Hey there, Wingnuts. Welcome to another episode of the Wingnut Social Podcast. This is episode 10. We are discussing SEO today for you guys, the designers, and your blogs. Why is it so important? Why you need it? My name is Darla Powell. I am the head Wingnut of Wingnut Social, and I am joined by the ever-ebullient... Natalie Graf, how are you today? Oh, well, how am I? I'm fine. How are you today? <laughs> I'm tired today, actually, but we're doing this. Just- and But wait. Did you tell them who's joining us? I'm just about to. It's a mysterious lad from across the pond. He's here also in Miami, Florida. His name is Justin Easthall of Easthall Designs. And he is the genius behind the Darla Powell Interiors website, as well as just recently, the Wingnut Social website, which are gorgeous. We've gotten tons and tons of compliments on them. And he is here to help us navigate SEO, search engine optimization, for us and how we're supposed to include that in our blogging to help people actually come find our gorgeous websites, hopefully designed by Justin East Hall. He is from England, as I mentioned, so his accent is English. It's a little <laughs> thick. We have a few pints. Yeah, so sit back, have a Guinness, and help me welcome. Guinness, well, Guinness is, is Guinness Irish. Ireland. Wh- Hello. What's English? Well, we're going to have to ask him. That'll have to be a good question. That's a good English But beer. he likes Heineken. Is it okay if I have a Guinness? Sure. Okay, cool. So I'm going to sit back and have a Guinness. You guys have whatever the heck you feel like having and help us welcome Justin Eastall to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Justin Eastall. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. So glad you could join us today. Hey, thank you, Dallas. It's great to be here, and thank you for having me on. Of course. I was just telling the Wingnuts listening how you developed the websites for Darla Powell Interiors and Wingnut Social and how they're super gorgeous, so thank you so much. You. I, you, I need to add to that. I believe there's a little banner on the Darla Powell Interior website, something that says, like, award-winning. I think he's kind of good at what he does, maybe. He might be. Yeah, a he's pretty bit. good. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty sharp, Yeah. And of course, at the end of this episode, we'll give out the wingnuts all the information how they can get in touch with you and get their interior design websites looking just as good as Darla Powell interiors. So no worries there, guys. Hang on for that. All right. So the focus of this episode today is, right, interior designers do a lot of blogging, or if they're not, they should right. be doing a lot of blogging, right? To get um, the Darla. SEO. Yeah, Darla, I know. I'm a little behind. Shh, don't hand me up. <laughs> so <laughs> we wanted to talk about blogging, the frequency of blogging, but more importantly, sure. the SEO behind blogging. So, you know, I did say in the little intro there that, you know, of course, SEO stands for search engine optimization. But can you can you explain that in a brief, what is search engine optimization and why is it? Sure. So important. 
it's, it's really important. I think that SEO can really be split into two main sections. One is the on-site SEO and the other is the off-site SEO. So all the stuff that you do on your site, whether it be all the metadata or all of the technical stuff that you do to the site to make it load fast, your images or the quality of the images and all the stuff that's built into the site, that's called your on-site. And that's also your content that would come under that umbrella too. So like the blog uh, and all the content that sits throughout the pages of your website, that would all be counted as on-site SEO. Off-site SEO is all the stuff that you do to drive traffic to your site and gain your visibility, your authority, your trust. And that's really, which I think we're to you guys, is the SEO, uh, the social side of things. Right, that, exactly. Um, are they just as important or are they as each other? Or would you consider one more important than the other? I would, yeah. I mean, content, I mean, it's a cliche, and I know you mentioned it in a couple of your previous blogs, but content is king. No matter what happens, no matter what, how the changes have gone through the years of website design, one thing is stood true and tested, and that's the content. So that's never changed. That's always the most important part of SEO, really, is Absolutely. if you have a great site with great content, it will naturally do well, despite anything else, despite whether you've kept all the protocols and used the correct metadata and you've got lots of social accounts pointing to the site and you're doing a lot of backlinking. If your content is good, it will get found and it will get shared. So I absolutely believe that you know, that's number one. Okay, so let's talk about, let's say there's interior designers down there, and let's say they got their stuff together, and they they actually have really good content, and they're actually blogging. Um, right. People are coming to their site, but they don't really have all their SEO ducks in a row. What is the first thing that they should focus on as far as getting that, that additional SEO presence in there, just for someone, a newbie? Let's just say it's a novice, like, yeah. uh, I won't mention any names, but let's say Natalie Graf. Hey, why am I, I'm always the novice here, Justin. She's always picking on me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> first off, I mean, it's really difficult, the first thing to do, but it is, it's, it's true. You have to create great content. So once you've got great content, and I've I, I sort of rushed over that, but that, I mean, that's really the hard part. You've got to create really great, shareable, likable, intelligent content that people want to read and want to share. Now, once you've done that part, which is the hard part, then you can have the fun of sharing it and marketing that content. And that's where SEO would come in, especially the offsite SEO. So you've got, you've got a great blog. What do you do to get it out there? Well, you market it. And one way is obviously posting it on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way would to create a newsletter so you can advertise it that way, create a newsletter, send it off. Everyone reacts to it, comes and finds it, reads it, loves it, then they share it. Um, so yeah, that would be number one, create great content which I know, as I keep saying, is right. easier said than done. Uh, and then once you've got that, then there's also another side of things is making sure the blog is correctly set up. So you're, you're using your H1 tags correctly. You've got some nice images on there that have been well optimized. Okay. Whoa, whoa, time out, time out, Justin. All right, all right. So exactly, you know, for the novice, because I'm always picked on, okay. what is H1? H1, H2, headers. Go, go ahead and give us that definition. <laughs> All right, well, he- header one, and that's what the H stands for is the headers, and header one and header two and header three going down to header six. It's, it, a few a few years back, they created this semantic web or semantic HTML where they were trying to help software read content on a page, i.e. Google's bots where they come and understand, try and understand your website. Mm-hmm. They created these tags called H1 to H6, and basically what that means is whatever's in the H1 tag should be the most important piece of data on your website. So that's your, like on, on your that title. Webpage. Yes, you could even you could even go as far as say that's the book title. If you want to use a sort of analogy to go against that, I would say the H one tag is the book title, and the H two tag would be your chapters. So hmm. if you treat your web page or your blog page as a book, what is it going to be about? What's the book about? 
So you get that on your H1, and then as you go down into your subdivisions of that, H2 would be your chapters, H3 would be your subheaders, uh, and Google would get a real understanding of that. So it's really quite important to get your essential keywords, what the keywords that you want to search for, into that H1 tag. So you're saying that Google, when they scroll your website, they give more importance to those to text written Absolutely. in actual that header. So they're, they're, enco- yes. they're encoded in such a way that tells the Google overlords, hey, this is yes. our important content, and this is what you want to put out to people searching for my blog. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. And does it give, like, say it gives more importance to the H1 header over the H2? The first search parameter would be, hey, what's yes, in that H1? Okay. Yep. Sure. I mean, just a little disclaimer out there. Google hasn't released exactly how it does all of this SEO, uh, how it understands and, and serves up your website onto a page. It's it's kept it secret just to keep the, the playing field level so everyone has a chance organically of doing quite well. Mm-hmm. But it, it's pretty – I mean, if you if you read their actual – I mean, they do release some information out there. And if you go to their SEO blog and if you go to the Google protocols where it shows you how to – what it expects to see, it does mention the H1 and H2 and H3 tags and how to use them. So it definitely does look into that. Okay, cool. That's, so that actually makes it a lot easier in my mind to understand it. Like it just gives priority and the, the numbers make it pretty simple to understand. One is the top, right. the most important yes. and so Absolutely. on. So you did mention keywords there. So keywords yeah. in the header, like if you have, you know, a, a dining room remodel, it would be dining room, remodel, Miami, that those kind of keywords, or are we talking something yeah, more in depth? If that's what you want to target, then absolutely, yeah. And that's good that you mentioned the, the uh, geographical location as well. That's really important. If you're a local designer, then definitely try and get those the location into your into your headers too. If you put that into your header, if someone locally is searching, even though they haven't put the keyword in, say, for instance, Miami, if they've just looked, for instance, interior designer, mm-hmm. and they haven't put local, but... Google will automatically serve any local information. So if you have local words in your keywords in your header, oh. then it will presume that it's local. And rightly so, if you've if you've put I'm an interior designer in Miami and if someone searches interior designer and they're in Miami, it would automatically you get kudos for the fact that you've got Miami in your keywords. Oh, that's anyway. awesome. What he, that's a, as John Lee Dumas would say, that's a huge value bomb, guys, for mm-hmm. your ideal client in your local market. And that's mm-hmm. actually something Nicole Heimer told me several months ago. Hey, darling, you know, when you blog, start putting Miami in your title. You want your local clients. So if you guys are right. looking for interior design clients in Houston, you know, put something, something remodel Houston, Texas or, or whatever. So you can get those out. Cause Google's going to, like you said, prioritize that geographical yes. location for those people searching there right absolutely that is that is a huge value bomb thank you so much for sharing that okay so how often do you have to post a blog to keep up that google churning thing right yeah i mean it's an interesting question and it really does it varies per industry Mm -hmm. um so there's no there's no real great sort of black and white answer it takes time to create a blog it's not something i mean they say that the more you do it the faster you get i don't know i always struggle with it but I think most if you do if you're blogging once a month, that, I mean this is the very sort of least. If you're blogging once a month, I think you're good. Okay. I really do. But some I mean, and I've read once a week. And I just literally wouldn't have the time to produce this content like <laughs> once a week. Yeah. So you know, if you're good at it and you can churn the stuff out, do it. Obviously, but I mean, uh, it's for, for me, it's just difficult. I think once a month would be the the very least, and I think you'll be good with that. Fresh content once a month, a newsletter going out once a month, you know. That's doable, right? Yeah. I got a question. 
I got a yeah, question so, about that once a month. When you yeah. do something for once a month, do you need to write? Does it need to have a lot of content to be ranked or to be yeah, seen? Yeah, again, that's another good question. That no one knows the exact answer to that. Google hasn't <laughs> said. But, I mean, if you've got good content and it's short, then it, it doesn't really matter, right? But I do believe that you should be looking at around a, a thousand to fifteen hundred words a month. Oh wow, that's, I, I, that's yeah, a lot of writing. That it might is, be like is. a couple blogs. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's what kind of what's out there. That's what a lot of people are saying now because blog the, the sort of the market out there is so competitive that if you can create longer blogs that engage people longer and people will take more time, they spend more time on the page, and then the algorithms going back to Google is like, oh, this is good content. Mm, they're spending a long time on this page. Mm. As ah, opposed to the true. pogo effect, which is people sort of they bouncing around the site. The pogo effect is a new buzzword that I've picked up on lately where people, Google's may have an algorithm. It's not, no one knows for sure that if a, a client is bouncing around the site or a, a user or a visitor is bouncing <laughs> around the site, they call it the, the, the pogo effect. <laughs> that means they can't, they're not finding what they want. So they're jumping around your ah, site. So that and gets, is that the same get, as bounce rate? Uh, no, slightly different from bounce rate. Bounce rate is when someone lands on, on a page of your website doesn't touch anything and leaves. Ah, okay. That's the bounce rate. A pogo effect is when they're bouncing around different pages, which people have said, uh, it's given a, a, Google's thinking, oh, they can't find what they're looking for. Ah, the Tigger uh, effect. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like the Tigger. I like the Tigger, tigger effect. effect. Let's rename that. Let's start a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about images. We are going to have Linda, right. Linda Holt, who is a an interior designer and also a really kick butt photographer. She's going to come on a couple shows from now and talk more in depth, but let's just get a little bit into images as far as, okay, I know I've seen a lot of designers post their blogs and the images are humongous. They're not labeled right. Let's go into that. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, definitely the biggest problem I get with websites when people come to me saying my website's really slow, 99% of the time, it's the images they've uploaded to the website. They've put massive, great images. They haven't optimized their images. And they've put up, I mean, not even that long ago, a few weeks back, someone came and said, well, you know, what's wrong with my site? Why is it so slow? They had on their homepage a 10 megabyte image. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. that was, that's literally bigger than my entire website, just on <laughs> one page. They were trying to, and, and within seconds, I could cut that right off. I, I optimized the image and got it from 10 megabytes to, mm -hmm. I, think, I think, about 180K. Wow. So explain very simply, in layman's terms. What in Natalie terms. In Natalie terms, in Natalie speak, in English. In English. What, <laughs> what goes into the ideal optimization of an image? I know that's one of the first things you taught me, and I, I know how right. to do it, and I do it for my blog. Right. Okay, yeah, good question. So, it, it, I mean, it's really important, as I said, like 90, 99% of the time when websites are slow, it's because of the images, and they haven't been optimized correctly. So it's really important to know how to do this. Uh, the tools to do it, for me personally, it's Photoshop. It probably has the best optimization tools out there. But for the rest of us, if you just want to optimize the image, then I do recommend tinyping.com. And that's spelled T-I-N-Y-P-N-G, tinyping.com. Maybe, Dali, you can stick it in, in the notes there. Sure thing. On, on the actual project. And it, it's really good. All you've got to do is drag your image on it. So once, if, if you know your image is relatively small, as in about a 1,000 pixels, pixels in width, you don't need to worry about anything else, the DPI or whether it's the right color format. Just get the image, make sure it's a 1,000 or under in pixels, drop it into this tool, and it will automatically optimize it, and it will shear off so much without oh, wow. actually degrading. 
without degrading the image that's the important part as well it won't look like it's been badly op- you know sometimes you go to a website and the images are all grainy right or they're a bit blurry that's because they've been over optimized and they've sacrificed even the actual pixels of the image to get that oh. sort of very low, low so yeah that's a great tool and that really that really help you so uh, tiny ping images. just kind of does the process the steps for you that you would be yes. doing spending in photoshop it just says okay i'm going to optimize it the resolution is going to be 72 it's going to be a thousand by 800 or whatever it yes, is odd, whatever. For whatever fits for your website. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. tip. We're totally yeah, putting out in the show notes. And, it, and that with zero degradation to the actual image. And it really is, I mean, it's not far off Photoshop. We're only talking a few K really here and there, but it really will get your images right down. So when you, when you, when your image loads on a web page, ping, just automatically. Tiny ping, tiny ping. Another great value bomb. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about offsite CEO, right? SEO. Let's talk about backlinks to your yeah. blogs. Now I know, and one thing that we do in, on our Facebook group, the design blog and social media laboratory is every Sunday, everybody posts their blogs and we comment, you know, we get backlinks to each other's blogs, which are important, but not all blogs are backlinkable, right? right. How do you know Absolutely. if they are or if they aren't? And explain a little bit, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, what right. backlinks even are and how that helps for SEO. Right. Well, backlinks, I would say, is probably the most important thing you can do regarding off-site SEO. If you can get a high authority site, something that's has, I don't know if you know about authority and whether and domain authority and how that's weighed up against Google's algorithms, but there is lots of software out there that sort of gives you a rough idea of how important or how much authority your site has. Uh, one of them is Moz, moz.com. They're like a lead, one of the big leaders out there for offsite SEO. And they, what they don't know isn't worth knowing about, to be honest. Huh. And they have a tool and, and you can, it's a free plugin for your Chrome browser. And you can go and look at all these sites and you can, it gives you a rough idea of how the domain authority, how important Google thinks this site is in terms of trust, authority and all the rest of it. So you can go around, you can find these sites and you find out they've got a blog and oh wow, this has got domain authority of like 90. It goes from one to a hundred. So anything over sort of 60, 70 is usually really quite high end sites, big sites, very popular, millions of hits a day. Um, on which Google trusts and has, and has a great authority rate. So you go on there and you can get onto their blogs and then you can, and it's a great way to get a backlink off a really high, high authority site by just going to their blog, leaving a really nice, don't, Obviously, don't spam it. Don't just arrive and say, hi, great blog, and then just put your link <laughs> to your website because the chances right. are that will be taken down. But if you have something really relevant to say and interesting, post it on there. And then say, oh, by the way, pop over to my site for more details. Oh, uh, tricky, tricky. Work. Yeah, because um, <laughs> honestly, if you can get a high-authority domain website linking to your website – that's gold dust, basically. Hmm. If you can get someone like the BBC or CNN, just as an extreme example, if you can get someone like the BBC to link to your website, wow. I like that the BBC was first there on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, yeah. I mean, that, that is just gold dust, but it's super difficult. How are you going to get the BBC to you know, link to your website? You know, for instance, huh. they could run a story like Interior Design Miami. And they come, they come out and oh, they get in touch with you. They search, they find you and they say, oh, we'd like to get a quote from you. And you'd say, well, you can have a quote from me as long as you link back to my site. Um, boom. And off you go. But, you know, easier said than done again. It's, it's difficult. And it is one of the hardest. Yeah, the return on investment is fantastic, but it's super difficult to actually get. So one way around that is to go and visit other people's blogs, high authority domain blogs, and then, you know, leave a quote or leave some interesting information on there and link back to your site. 
Okay, so let me make sure I understand, just to make sure I have it clear for the Wingnuts listing. So I'll go all over to domain, my domain, or, or some big apartment therapy that gets tons yeah. of tons, and just check up in this MOZ. Um, .com. .com, thank you, and see, okay, what is their domain authority? And it comes back yes. gold dust, like you said. Yes. And I'll be like, mm. oh, this is a place I want to spend a lot of time commenting on. And there, yeah. these comments are automatically backlinked to me in my website, or how do we know if that's actually working? Because some of them, don't they yes. not yes. backlink? Some, some have no, yeah. I mean, the okay. only way, there's two ways to do it. One really technical and one just an email. You can either email the admin of, mm. of the site and say, do you have or do you not use no follow? on your comments. That's the main thing. The no follow attribute that they can automatically put onto any link will tell Google not to follow that link. So if you do put a link on a comment on a site that has no follow as their protocol, then it's pretty much worthless in a way. Not, not really. I mean, not worthless. I think it's, it's just, it won't have as much, you won't get as much uh, link juice from it if it has no follow because Google will not follow that link. So it won't, Go, it'll go to your link, see it, but it'll see the no follow. So, oh, okay, we can't go any further and it will end. Hmm. But the other side of the coin, though, is people will still read it and people will still enjoy what you've said and say, oh, I want to go over and thanks for the link. I want to go and see what they're about. And then they'll link and go over to your site and spend time on your site that way. So indirectly, you, you're still getting a bit, a little bit of link juice, even though there's a no follow command on there. Now, that's not all websites. Mm-hmm. You'll find it with really, really, really popular blogs that have thousands of people reading and thousands of people are blog, are, are, are replying to the comments all day long and they're all plugging away their various products and links. And then you, the chances are they will have a no follow on there then just to try and stop the spam. Right. But, you know, lesser sites or sites that aren't particularly fussed about it, they won't. So the only, there's two ways to do it. So you can email admin, say, do you have a no-follow protocol? Or you can look at the code, which I don't know if, you, if your listeners would be happy with doing that, but there is, if you right-click on a Google browser, you can say view source, and you can look and just do a search for no-follow. And if you see it on your comment, then you'll know. Ah, that's a nice little nifty trick too. Something else we can put in the show notes. And I think it's very important to reiterate, right? That if you are commenting on these big things, not to make them look spammy, make sure that right, what absolutely. you are commenting that is, is full of freaking value. Yes. And if you're leading them to their, your website, that there's an actual legit reason, not just, Hey, you know, yes. beautiful couch. I have on a here too. Look, absolutely. come to my website. Because, because, totally. Because mm-hmm. admin will come and check. They will yeah. check. So you just, you know, a lot of times you'll post and say, oh, it's waiting because admin will actually go through and read it and see it themselves. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, we'll let that go. Yeah, and don't do it every time. Maybe just do a little jab, 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 and then a right hook, you know, be a a valuable contributor. And then maybe that 10th post or that 5th post say, you know, I've been a valuable contributor here, and here's this advice. Here's some more on this particular topic. Great advice. Okay, I got a question for you. When you go into those backlinks or whatever – and, yep. and all of that stuff. How important, if you do leave comments and you want someone to go to your site, how important is your site to be mobile friendly? I mean, is that oh, uh, very? Yeah, very. I mean, it is. Again, if you get down to the deets, details, you depends. It's industry, industry specific. Some industries don't aren't so, a lot of people aren't using their mobile phones to, to see their website. But I think with your website, uh, your industry, I think it's really important. I think a lot of people would be viewing your, and I'm sure your analytics will tell you that how, how many people are actually viewing they your do site. They do, most. Most is on right. Oh, they do. That's mm-hmm. interesting because mine is completely opposite. I have 10% <laughs> of my monthly traffic on a mobile device. Oh, wow. Just 10%. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, as, as of about 2009, 2010, I haven't designed a single website that isn't responsive 
that isn't mobile friendly, no matter what it should be. It's really, and Google definitely has a lot of weight on that for sure. Like they do expect websites to be mobile. Officially, two years ago, more tr- search traffic is now mobile. It's taken over desktop. A lot of people nowadays, their only device is mobile. They don't even have a laptop. They don't have a desktop. Right. And doesn't Google give its own like importance to different traffic? Like they'll divide it. Like, okay, if you Google interior designers, her, her website is super mobile friendly. She's going to pop up a little higher in the ranking on this mobile search than maybe I would on a laptop because of that. Yeah, if if you're searching on a mobile device, yes. then a, a site that's more mobile friendly than another will get served above that one. Gotcha. Absolutely. And they're also now moving into mobile indexing too. So the content that's on the mobile site is what's being indexed. No longer the, des- the, the information that's on the desktop, that's not being indexed anymore. Only your mobile oh. version of the oh, wow. is actually being indexed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was unaware of that. And that's another thing, too, that I see when a lot of the designers, especially newbie bloggers, do share their blogs on the, the Facebook group. Um, yeah. Most of them, I would say at least, well, maybe not most, I'm exaggerating, but half of them are not mobile friendly. And I'm always on my iPad because I can't see them. I have one of those huge iPad pros and they're, they're just a bear to navigate through. So I think that's when the don't even do a website if you can't optimize it for mobile. Why? Uh, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. It should be default on any website designer's toolkit. A website has to be responsible. Whether, you know, as I say, a lot of my traffic is only 10% as mobile. That's irrelevant. It has to be mobile. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, true. And I think when I first started, when I decided to hire you, I was again on my iPad and your website was gorgeous on mobile. That's so important. And I do, I have a lot of people telling me my website looks gorgeous, period, A, but also on mobile. So good on you. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, Justin. I think we, I think we've we're making our uh, the wingnuts spin here, their head spin in a wingnut fashion. So okay. we have answered a lot of questions for SEO, and we thank you so much for your valuable information. But now it's time to have a little bit of fun Ooh. and play the what up wingnut round. Are you ready? <laughs> it's God, fitting, Justin. It. It's fitting. Trust me. <laughs> it's just a little something we do to keep it from being too serious and too boring, okay. and to have the listeners find out just a little bit more about what makes you tick, Justin. He's tall. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. All right. The first question is, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? <laughs> um, well, I, I, would, I would definitely be a horse chestnut tree. Wow, that's very specific. It is very specific, isn't it? And um, the reason for that is because I could then grow the biggest conkers ever. <laughs> Right. Now, this is a very English thing, so I'm going to let you guys figure that one out yourselves. But, yeah. right. I'm almost afraid to ask. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> okay, if you were on a deserted island and you could only bring two things with you, what would they be? It could be anything, but only two things. Um, all right, well, definitely, and this is a weird one, but it does make sense to me, but it probably literally wouldn't work out very well. But I would, I'd have to have music, so I'd have to bring an iPod. If I'm allowed to bring something, I mean, it wouldn't last very long, I know, but... If I figured if I could just play one tune a month, <laughs> I'd get a fair bit out of it. Um, because music, you know, you, you know me, music, yes. I, I love my music. Yes. Um, second thing, I guess it would be, let me have to think about that. I guess I know what it would be, actually, yes. It would be all three, oh, it counts as three, though. Oh, no, I can buy this single book of The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the entire book in one. And your iPod. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, so you're a total nerd. Got it. Yeah. All right. Okay. If you could have only one food for the rest of your days, what would it be? Oh, that's, that's totally easy. That's that's chips. 
as in fish and chips. Oh, it's like fries. the fries, not like yes. chips. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, the chips. Oh, man, I miss them so much, you wouldn't believe. Where can you get them over here? Anywhere? You can't. In Miami? No, right? Nowhere. Nowhere. I've tried. I've been everywhere. What about Long, Long John Silvers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, they are probably the closest you can get to actual English fish Oh, I'm so chips. sorry. I know. Okay. I know. And this one, I know this is going to be geeky. What's your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> all right. Well, this this absolutely is easy. Star Wars, the original Woo! 1977 unspecial edition version. None of the horrible CGI. I want all that 70s grain. I want those luscious browns and tans and oranges and shapes and patterns and horrible effects. I want all of that. I don't. I, yeah. So the original unspecial edition of Star Wars. I just had warm, fuzzy feelings for you. <laughs> okay. If you could have only one superhero power, what would it be and why? Okay, that would have to be time travel. Ah, nice. Why? Yeah. So I can get through the day really quick and get in the pub. (laughs) 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 These these questions never disappoint. Thank you so much, Justin, for being on the Wingnut Social Podcast. Please tell our listeners where they can find your beautiful services and find out more Uh, about you. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. My accent's probably, I do run on a bit. So I, I, my accent's probably confusing a lot of you out there. So do feel free to reach out and have a chat. So you can get me at easthalldesign.com. Uh, you can find me over at Facebook as well. If you just go, if you just Facebook search for East Hall Design, you'll find me there. Same with Twitter. So feel free to come out and reach me. You can also email if you want the info at easthalldesign.com. Perfect. And also, we're, we're going to have links to all that goodness in the show notes okay. on our social media sharing and all that good stuff. Thank you so okay. much again. You have a, an, I know you're very busy, so you have a terrific day. Natalie and I are going to talk about you now. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank, thank you, you, Justin, for joining thank us. You thank you for having me on. Oh, no, thank you. Bye-bye. So, Darlo, we just spoke to Justin. We did. It's not like he doesn't live three miles away from us. I know. We keep having to go have a pint with him, and it's crazy. Justin is wonderful. I tell you what, I cannot tell you how many compliments that I've heard from some of my friends and my family about your website and how they look, and it's all because of Justin. He is great. I've referred so many designers to him that are so happy with his work. And, you know, he is more expensive than doing a Squarespace or a Wix or something, but you get what you pay for. You get a quality, gorgeous looking website. And for interior design, you know, image is everything. How important is it that your website appears, you know, high end, like you're an interior designer? Pretty important, I would think. I would think so. He dropped a lot of value bombs on us today, too, with the SEO and the tips for the the tiny ping how much of a time saver is that going to be? Every time I upload a photo to my blog, I have to go into Photoshop, do the image size, do the resolution, export it, save it for web, right? So what a cool little trick it, that he had there. And uh, the other stuff with the H1, the headers, re- he really drove home and explained it to me. And for you guys that are sitting there like H1, H2, H3, hut, what are, what are we talking about? We're going to list everything in the show notes so you guys can have some reference to look it up. And and if you have any questions at all, please send us an email to info at wingnutsocial.com and we'll help break it down for you and totally help you with anything that you have about this show or any of the other show, any questions. And also, if you hop on over to Facebook, you can join our Facebook group called the Design Blog and Social Media Laboratory, where you can just hop in there and also ask these same questions and be part of a really super group with a lot of heavy hitters in there for blogging and digital marketing advice. So as Darla was saying, if you have any questions, info 
at wingnutsocial.com, and we can also translate any of this podcast because of his <laughs> English accent. We'd be happy to help out with that as well. You know, the Queen's English is the proper English. It is. It is. It really is. We're all just a bunch of, uh, you know, refugees and turncoats, right? That's right. No, not. Yeah, so that's it for this episode, Natalie. What else we got? Nothing. Just let them know where you can find us. And Awesome sauce. So you guys, hop on over to wingnutsocial.com. Check us out. See what we're all about. Also, follow us on all the major social media channels at wingnutsocial.com, the aforementioned email address. And, oh, or you could also give us a call at one 877 wingnut That's W-I-N-G-N-U-T. Isn't that awesome? Makes me giggle every time. And that's it. So until next time, Wingnuts, we'll see you. So long. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. <laughs>